morning. I'm Kaz, if you don't know me. Um, um, I'm part of the leadership team here. Nice to have you here with us this morning. You're very welcome. Um, if you have been with us the last few weeks, you'll know that we are at the moment in a preaching series on 1 Corinthians. And um, we're going to stay there today. And I am going to be preaching on 1 Corinthians 13, which if you've ever been to a wedding... You probably know already, because it's red. In fact, we went to a wedding the other day, and it was red at that wedding. Um, And it's about love, so um, you're going to want to bear with me, because it's quite a big topic. And so we're definitely going to start by praying, so let's do that. Um, Lord Jesus, we just thank you that you are here with us this morning, that as we gather as your people to worship you and to honor you, that you are here with us. And Lord, I just want to pray this morning that you would open our hearts, that as we um, dip into your word to see what you have to say about love, that our our hearts will be opened and that any defenses or barriers will come down in your name and that we might be able to see, maybe for the first time, what it means to be loved and to love one another and to love you, Lord God. So I just pray, Lord, would you speak through me this morning? And would you just be with us as we gather to to exalt you and to hear your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Hmm. So, if you have a Bible, um, you can open it to the very end of 1 Corinthians 12. Very, very end, like the last half a sentence. And then into 1 Corinthians 13. If you don't, it's on the screen. And I'm going to read it anyway. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And so, like I said, you've probably heard it before, um, is genuinely read at lots of weddings. In fact, um, Clive and I actually read it at a wedding a couple of years ago. It's quite a funny story, because we were going to the wedding, and there was a couple that we used to teach, and they asked, would we read it at the wedding? So I said, that'll be fine. We were like, well, that'll be boring if we just read it. So I'll read it, I'll read a bit, and then Clive will like, give examples from real life. That'd be a good idea. So we did that, and it went really well, until we realized that, that was the minister, that's what he was going to do. <laughs> so we were supposed to just read it, and he was going to do his whole preach on, on what it really looks like, so he kind of stole that, and we didn't know. And then he just sort of repeated it, which is quite awkward. Never mind. <laughs> so probably, if you're having a wedding, don't ask me and Clive to do it, because we're just ruining it. Um, but it is genuinely seen as a a manual for a happy marriage and family and 
And, and, and because of that, it, it's missed. It's not that it's misunderstood, it's just missed the whole magnitude of it because it's just seen as this, if you live like that, if you treat your husband, wife, family like that, that will be great. Um, so I met, when, I, when I was asked to preach on it, Nigel doesn't even notice, I think I cried. I was like driving home from work and Clive rang me and said, oh, there's an email through and this is the bit you're doing and you know when you just know. I was like, I know what that is. I can't preach on that. I know how it goes. And I just felt totally overwhelmed. I was like, I, any time I've been asked to preach, I feel a bit like that. But this time, I was like, I'm going to sound like a total hypocrite. And, and I'm, I think partly because years ago, when I was first a Christian, someone said, it's really helpful if you can go through the passage and replace love with your name. That's a good idea, isn't it? So forget the first bit. It goes a bit like, Kaz is patient. And I was like, right, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> I didn't even get to the next one because actually Kaz is not very patient. And, um, and, it, and that's the thing about it. Sometimes it can seem so overwhelming. And, um, and I, I do feel very overwhelmed today, so bear with me, because I like, if you know me at all, you know I like order. Order is good. If I'm doing any kind of speaking or teaching, I like to over-prepare. like to have, like, if I'm speaking for half an hour, I'll have notes for an hour. And when I, and Clive and I teach for a living, I'll go to teach. I tell Clive what I'm teaching. He's like, you know, you only have an hour, right? And I've prepared about three. Um, and I felt like God say today, just share what I've done in your heart. <laughs> and I was like, ah. That feels a bit vulnerable, not sure about that, but here I am. I do have notes, but I feel like part of it is just sharing what he's done in me and how, to be quite honest, he's just exposed my heart in a really unsettling way. Like, it's be, as it often is when God's doing stuff in us, it's been pretty uncomfortable. Um, and sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't want to think about that. Don't talk to me, God. Um, and anyway... The passage itself significantly comes between, obviously, 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which are both on spiritual gifts, on the body, but also cover spiritual gifts. And, and actually, because this kind of love, to have any chance at it, we have to be filled with the Spirit, right? Because us trying is never going to get us there. It's a filled with the spirit thing. But also that those spiritual gifts that we talk about are nothing without love. Um, and actually the gifts that we have and how we use them and how we serve each other, actually there's only ever a point to them if they're done out of a place of genuine love. Not what others see or anything like that, but what's in our hearts. Again, heart exposed. God was saying that to me. I was like, oh, okay. So even when we think we're doing what we should be doing for the kingdom, we have to ask what our motivation is. What is our motivation? And, and how often do we serve reluctantly? Just me then. <laughs> you know... Tea, coffee, kids' work, meal rotors, having people round for dinner, 
who are different from us. It's fine having your friends around. But all those things that we think we should do that. I'm sure I heard a preach on that. I'm sure that's in the Bible. We should do that. But sometimes it's reluctantly, isn't it? Oh, there's a form come out for signing up for serving. I suppose I better sign up for something. Not kids, but I'll sign up for something. Like, isn't that our heart sometimes? So last week, we were go- actually, we were going to this wedding, not the one we spoke at, but... And um, I thought I'd take the kids shopping in the morning before the wedding because they needed some stuff for the wedding because we don't normally go to winter weddings. I realise they only have summer attire for weddings. But I've got to say, it was a bit begrudging. I didn't really want to go shopping. <laughs> and so what could have been a really nice experience of us, me and the girls, going shopping together, it was quite not like that at all, actually. <laughs> They're not in here, so that's good. But um, it was a bit like, oh, can you, Maya, can you stop getting all that stuff? No, Marissa, you can't have that. Maya, you don't need that. I will buy you this. And then <laughs> it just did not go well at all, by the way. And it's that, it's that heart behind it. We still did the same thing. They still got what they would have got. But actually, on my part, it was my heart was, I don't really want to be here. I don't really want to be doing this. And actually, the areas that often we would place a high value on, and rightly so, things like prophecy and faith, speaking in other languages, discernment, giving, that kind of thing, are nothing without love. So even though we would look at those things and go, wow, isn't that amazing? I'm nothing without love. And I wonder that we talk about it enough. I wonder that we talk about what's really in our hearts enough and, and how we love each other. And I, and I wonder what it really looks like and, and who we should show it to, who should we be showing this love to. And actually, verse 4 to 7 the bit that we won't be replacing with my name, actually describes God's love. And so it works perfectly then when we replace the word love with God because he is perfect and his love is perfect. And and even though the passage is often used about in mar- like for marriage, it's actually not about romantic love or even family love. It's this thing called agape love, which is God's love, his self-giving love, his unselfishness. Um, And in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And that's the ultimate display of love, isn't it? That Jesus died on the cross for us. That actually, whilst we were still in sin and broken and not wanting anything to do with God, he loved us enough to die for us. And actually, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, that's the most important message of this morning, is that the message of love is the message of the cross. Is that Jesus died on the cross for no other reason than he loves us, that God loves us that much 
that, that Jesus would experience not just death, but the worst possible death because he loves us so much. And, and once we've encountered that love of Jesus, and once we experience that, so we can begin to show love to others. Because without it, it's just a constant cycle of trying and failing and trying and failing. But once we understand how God loves us, 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. He He's done that already for us. And again, I wonder that we sometimes don't think about that enough. We, we don't spend enough time meditating on how much Jesus loves us. But it's not a passive thing either. Because that's the other danger, isn't it? I sit back and go, I'm just going to wait to be filled with God's spirit. And then I'll be able to go and love other people. I won't be able to do it before that. So I'm just going to sit here and wait. Because it's a choice as well. And this actually is how we are to love the body. That's what it speaks about. It speaks about how we are to love the body of Christ. I'm wondering if I even love my family like that, let alone the body of Christ. (laughs) Ah, that's the other bit, isn't it? Heart exposed by this point. I'm totally unraveling at home, by the way, going, oh, I was supposed to love these people in the body of Christ like this. I'm genuinely not even sure that I'm that great with the people that God's given me for my family. I'm serious. It sounds like a joke, but love is patient. Oh, am I? That is probably my worst sticking point, really, and it's first. Comes before everything else. I don't even get to everything else because it's first. Love is patient. Wow. Again, quite glad my kids aren't in here. (laughs) But it's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to be patient with the people that we love and spend our time with. What about our family in here, the body of Christ? I wonder how patient we are with each other. And I wonder how often we think it's not our fault. (laughs) And that's the other thing, by the way. Don't sit there and think, do you know what? My husband needs to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) My kids really need to get them out of group and they need to listen to this. Because that's the problem sometimes. If you listen to preachers and go, that's really good for somebody else. Somebody else needs to hear that about being patient. Actually, and and this is the thing, is when I was... Preparing for today, I just felt like, God, going, look at your heart. What is your heart towards people? What do you see when you look around? I read this book called Just Love by R.T. Kendall, which is so good and quite challenging. And he says in there, when we are argumentative and judgmental, it is because we have forgotten God's patience with us. How easy it is to be impatient with other people because we forget how infinitely patient God is with us. And actually, when in the next bit, when it talks about being kind, the root word is goodness, graciousness, and gentleness. Ah, gentleness. (laughs) And you can look at all those bits and say, is that me? And some people maybe either say that. Goodness, gracious, gentleness. 
I'm the person who sends their daughter to school with a broken collarbone because I was told to stop messing about on the chair. And while she was crying, I was going, well, if you hadn't messed about, you wouldn't have fallen. Go to school. And it was so gentleness, I don't know. I did apologise later when I realised it was actually broken. But the thing is, often by nature, we're not that gentle. We're not that kind. But God is. By nature, that is God's nature. Phew. And envying, boasting, being proud, they all go together really, don't they? They're all about me. Moaning about what I don't have, boasting about what I do have, aren't I great, look what I've done. And you might sit here this morning and go, that's not me, I don't do that. I just say social media, and that covers most people, doesn't it? Not everyone, but let's be fair about what social media is often for. We don't often put on there the terrible things that are happening and... I had this terrible morning, or we put on the good stuff, right? Because on social media, everyone has nice, shiny lives with perfect kids and a great job and all that, because you only put the good bits on. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? We do that because we want everyone to look and go, wow, that's amazing. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying I don't do it either. I'm just saying, what is our heart in that? And what do we do when we look at social media, when we look at other people's lives? We're either going, look at this and how great it is, or we're going, oh, look at that, how great theirs is. Envying, boasting, social media. And it's not the only way, but it is a massive part of our lives now, you know. Dishonoring others, being self-seeking, like they're just things that we battle with. And, and, and the thing that it all comes down to, and this is the hard bit, the bit that I felt like God said, that's the bit you've got to live with and that's the bit you've got to share, is that loving like this involves dying to ourselves. To put others first, there's a cost, isn't there? Because to actually genuinely love you and to be able to put your needs ahead of mine means that I have to die to my selfishness. And I have to ask myself if I'm genuinely willing to do that. Am I genuinely willing to put the needs of others before mine? And not in a way that fits my life. And not just with those people that are like me. Because it's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to go, well, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I can help other people between 10 and 12. I can fit that in. But I can only help them if I like them. They don't have to be really good friends, but I have to get them. They have to be acceptable to... to, And they have to deserve help. I'll make a judgment on whether they deserve help or not. Whether they deserve love. It sounds brutal, but it's true, isn't it? That actually when, when it comes to loving other people, we fit it in our box. Someone comes and says, oh, I really need some help right now. And we go, oh, I'm not sure if now's a good time. 
I was just going to do something else. And sometimes it doesn't feel selfish, because sometimes it's not about you, it's about your family. So you go, well, we're going to have some family time today. And we had that one Sunday afternoon. It's a whole big, long story. I won't tell you the whole thing. But that someone just needed some time for us. And, you know, Sunday afternoons, quite like to do nothing. And just go home as a family and, you know, shut the door. And I felt really prompted by God. No, don't do that. And because I'm quite ordered and organized, I have a diary. So Clive and I share diaries. We're very organized about who's where at what time and what's going on. And I was like, oh, that's not, that's not in the diary for me to help anyone, God. Today, it's Sunday. Um, and I felt God prompted me. And then at the end, Maya came over and she said, oh, I've just invited so-and-so to come round. So I have you now. You didn't even ask me. But it was the same thing that God had prompted me on. And I realized that it was just my selfishness. We, we weren't doing anything. And actually, it ended, up, it ended up being a real blessing all around. But to get there, we have to die to ourselves and our selfishness. And, and so for some of that, that will be you as an individual. And some of it will be your family. Some of it might be your friendship groups. You go, well, I do that already because I've got this group of friends. No one else can come in, but we have this group, and I am showing the love of Christ to them, and I love them, and that's, what, that's all the stuff you're saying. But no one else can come in, by the way. And you, oh, you can come in, but only if you fit the, as a list of criteria. You can only come in if you fit the, the mold. If you don't look like that, you can't come in. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I've read that so many times in these last few weeks. Value others above yourselves. I won't even tell you how many books you can find on Amazon about valuing yourself and looking after yourself and building up yourself. The Bible says, value others above yourself, not look into your interests. And it is so countercultural. Because the world tells us all about me and my wants and needs, and my family, and my friends, and my schedule. But I wonder what the body of Christ looks like if we're willing to die to ourselves and to consider others better than us. Like Even that's controversial, isn't it? Considering other people better than us. That we would die to our own wants and needs. I wonder what we look like as a family if we choose to do that because it is a choice knowing God's love and being filled with the spirit but choosing to love each other like Christ loves us when we are inclusive of people even when they're different from us when we don't create clicky groups and small friendship things where we've known for people for 20 years and that's that. When we're willing to, to serve joyfully 
and willingly out of love. When we don't grumble and moan because we don't like this, that and the other, it doesn't quite fit with what we wanted. When we sign up to come dine with us because it's going to bless other people. Not, oh, I don't really like having people to my house. I don't really like going to other people's houses that I don't know. Or do, Saturdays don't really work for me very well. I do something else. I wonder what it looks like when we go, actually, there's other people in the body who will be massively blessed by gathering as a family. Because for some of us, we have families, don't we? And some of us, so our families will be in this room and we finish church and we have a coffee and we go home with our families. But some people dread the weekends, dread Sunday afternoons because it means time alone, time by yourself. I'll never forget my brother saying that. He teaches art and works with lots of different types of young people and said that actually he's really careful around Christmas because he loves Christmas, but he just recognises that there's people that he works with who dread those two weeks off because they either don't have family or they don't get along with their family and two weeks away from the setting of college and other people is like a prison sentence for them. And being a family means recognizing those things, doesn't it? Not going, well, this is what, I, look at me, I'm fine. I, I quite like it like this. But I wonder what that person's doing and if they're okay. I wonder if they will be blessed by coming and spending time with us. I wonder if I can bless them in some way. I wonder what church looks like when we put away our selfishness and choose to love each other without limits, without boundaries. And we live a Christ-centered life rather than a me-centered life. Now, that is the church I want to be part of. Because we talk about the family, don't we? But sometimes we don't choose to live like family. We don't choose to look around and go, this is my family. We choose to look at people's differences to us rather than how can we embrace each other. And it's a hard message, isn't it? And I was like, oh, should I go in and temper it a bit with... I felt like God say no. Like, this is my family, and I'm precious for it. And it is something to be fought for. And, and we think about the battle, the spiritual battle, but I don't know that we think about that in the context of the body of Christ, that actually it's something that needs to be fought for. We have to choose to fight for it. And, it, and actually, the easy option is not fighting for it. It's choosing to go and be individualistic and be separate and to mix and have a coffee and do some general nice chit-chat, then, but then go home and see you next week. But it, it's something to be fought for, and the enemy knows that, which is why he brings separation, division, individualism, he doesn't want us coming together because the power and strength of God's people gathered together and working together is a, is a mighty thing. But we miss it because we're too busy looking at everyone's differences and putting them in boxes that don't go with ours. And the reality is it starts with each of us, doesn't it? And that's, that's literally been my last few weeks is God going, look at your heart, look at your heart. Forget about everyone else you're going to speak to. Look at your heart. It's been a painful time. (laughs) 
actually, my heart doesn't look that great. I've got to be honest. And it, and that's what needs looking at first. And you could put up barriers today and go, actually, that's not me. I, I don't do any of that. And it might not be. But you can also be willing to look at your heart and say, God, I want you to expose my heart. And that's where it starts. It starts with each of us. It starts with each of us genuinely choosing to love everyone in the body with their struggles and their imperfection. Because God loves me and mine. He doesn't go, I will love you, but if you could just get sorted first, then I'll love you. He says, actually, I love you now. And so the response, I think the response is for us to come in repentance. That has been my response, is to repent of how my heart has been. Because sometimes it's been fine and other times not. And actually, I think as a body, there's a a time to come and respond to God and to respond to each other. And so... um, I believe this morning that as we do, as we come in repentance before God, that God will breathe new life into this church, into this family. And if we don't come in repentance, we're going to keep hitting the same wall. But actually, God wants us to come and repent of our hard hearts and to be joined together as family. And I believe he will do amazing things as we come together properly as united in Christ.